Hi, this is Madeline, a.k.a. Groisha, founder of Growing With The Seasons. Our new voice, Season 1, is the foundation of the intergenerational conversation. It's been in my heart to do. We need more mirrors and voices to inspire our choices. For in the reflection of each other, we all grow wiser. I know I have. To learn more or get involved in this and other co-creations and conversations, check out the website gwtsfamily.com. We offer many ways to help you groom your authentic expression. Here we grow. Hello, welcome to another episode of Our New Voice. Oh, wow. You know, I'm always curious. You know, I just am perpetually curious. And one of the things I've become really curious about is card and the way the playing cards are like a tool to be able to understand ourselves and the hands that we have and how they represent the elements and all these things. But I'll go on and on. You can learn more on the website. But in learning about the cards, I came to know our new guest. His name is Rashad. Welcome, Rashad. Hey, how are you doing? Great. Thank you for being part of the conversation. I really appreciate what different orientations we have, but how similar we are at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all in the cards, right? So, <laughs> so I definitely love as far as, you know, the perspective and, and our kind of growth together as we, we're both learning, you know, the cards together as well, you know, through the mm -hmm. process and, mm -hmm. and blending our experiences. <laughs> yeah, me too. And down the road in the podcast, we'll be going into cards too. I'm sure it all comes together. You know, I'm only the visionary. I don't really know how all the puzzle pieces fit. I just know how to be nice and keep people in good lines so that we can grow the lines for the vision, you know? So, but thank you. So, so let's start with the questions. Rashad, like others, was aware of the questions and we'll just kind of go in and see what comes out. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time. So the first question is, how were you informed of your gender? Like, how did you come to understand yourself as you understand yourself? I don't know if you call yourself a he, a she, a they. So how do, does that work for you? I would call myself as far as gender, a male, I guess. Is that, that would that be correct? Yeah. I think we're allowed to say whatever we want. Like, I know there's, somebody <laughs> told me about something today, like a cis female or a cis male, like something like that. And I was like, a what? So she says, yeah, that's how you can say that it's just, they're just that, like, you know, so, and she was like correcting me and I was like, wow, this is going to be like another whole education, what you can say and can't say to everybody. I don't know. I am kind of learning that whatever the constructs of the duality that we lived in were, that they're going to end up softening. So I can appreciate that this long, like males are this way, females are this way, that that's going to soften a bit. So I am curious, but... It will take some time for me to call people cis males or cis females. And even if I'm saying cis right, I can be completely wrong by saying that and remembering it wrong. You know, I can only blame my age and stage and stubbornness that comes with my kingdom. But I'm learning. <laughs> I'm learning. So, okay. So as a male, how did you come to know yourself as a, as a male? Like what, what were some of the cues or the messages you got from your family growing up that taught you about what it was to be a male? Hmm. Uh, and I would say that from a general perspective, I understand like duality more as more I grow spiritually. But I think as far as 
like the male, female gender dominant, you know, as far as the character one represents, you know, on an everyday basis, I do have a feminine characteristics that I, I think over the past couple of years, I had to get used to even accepting that. <laughs> Looking at the cards that Mercury Uranus aspect, there's a sense of like Mercury has, you know, a lot of duality within it as well, you know. But growing up, I always played sports, you know, so it was just me and my mom at first. And then my stepdad came. So thank God for him, right? <laughs> he was a, 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 Pretty much, you know, I would say Dorado, like chauvinistic male, but you know, he had a, he was pretty dominant, a large stature, about six feet, six one, you know, and he was 200 plus. So he wasn't like a, a small guy. <laughs> he played sports in his, his heydays. I was just always kind of naturally talented or athletic as well, you know, so, but also play with my female cousins and and played like house and, and, and Barbie does, but I was just knew that I, I was a male. So it wasn't like, I felt like I was told, you know, I was just like, you know, you kind of just shocked, <laughs> you know, you copy who was ever kind of close by you and I, and I, I look like a male. So, you know, I think it's <laughs> absolutely for me to copy that those type of traits and, and characteristics. So my dad was a, a great influence as far as me being competitive. I think that comes with just that male characteristic of being competitive, you know, being like the guys. Since it was me and my mom at first, I think I had this unconscious knowing like, okay, who's this new guy in, in my life? <laughs> you know? How old were you? How old were you when he came in? I wasn't that old. I was, I, I may have been like a year you know, or two, you know? Oh, okay. Or, but it was just me and her at first. So I have a lot of like aunts that Female women are like dominant in my family, <laughs> you know. So and they, and they and looking at the characteristics, they're very nurturing as well. You know, very lovely and nurturing. Like my grandmother, like take over the house. Of course, I had my uncles. That was one uncle that stayed close by her all his life. I'm not gonna say it was just a lot of dominant, you know, or or eminent male or female, but. As far as nurturing aspects, I got a lot of nurturing in my life. You know, I think my mom pampered me a lot <laughs> oh, growing up as I was younger and then I had my aunts. So now I look at looking, you know, looking at hindsight, I had a, you know, a great representative from my dad as far as his upbringing. And then also have the nurturing side where I can see how I'm very nurturing now. You know, I can be uh -huh. very sensitive, slow to talk and maybe speak, you know. That may be just more the, you know, <laughs> the shy, quiet side of me. <laughs> but but I look at the the duality more, but in hindsight, my dad was definitely a great representative as far as me replicating or was being what a male was. It's kinda I guess it was kinda kinda natural. And also when you play house and things with your cousins, you know, of course you get the Ken doll. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> well, my goodness, when I brought home, when I went to my granddaughters and I brought home a boy doll, her girl doll, she was like, why are you buying him? Why are you even bringing him here? And I was like, what? <laughs> She's just like, what is, he's just boring. Like, no, like, no. I said, well, what do you think? 
He sits here on the shelf all by himself with a pair of shorts on. And these girls get whole houses and stuff and cars and everything. Like, what's going on, Mia? She's like, oh, Granny, why do you even think about that stuff? I was like, I don't know. I'm thinking about this guy. Like, what's up with him? Like, what? So when we brought him home to the house, I said, okay, so where can he stay? She says, he can sleep outside with the chickens. And I think he's afraid of chickens. I'm like, really? I said, that's really nice, Mia. So who knows what she's brewing. But that's a queen of spades for you. She gave (laughs) <laughs> but uh <laughs> but so you mentioned that there's like a matriarch of sorts is that what you mean by the women were dominant that there was like kind of led through the hearts of the women is that what you mean the, they would respond faster i think than the men you know okay but it's like taking care or nurturing like so i didn't want to say like i just had like all these women surrounding me but there was definitely men so i was just trying to say they wasn't like really dominant as far as like more women than men, you know, there was a nice balance, but the, the like my grandmother and my aunt, you know, those were the kids, the people who like, we went over their houses, you know, and, we <laughs> uh-huh. and most of them was pretty much like single, you know, so, right. so it was just, you know, it was just. A... <laughs> so when you started to mature in your, your male body. Did you pick up any cues or messages from the other men in sports or coaches or things like that that kind of helped to kind of, I know sometimes people talk about like, there's like a boy's code or like a way that boys behave or don't behave. You know, like I know when any of my boys played football, if I even went near them when they fell, it would make them cry. So they would literally tell me, don't come near me on the field when I fall, you know? And I was like, okay. So because they were looking to kind of posture themselves tougher. I mean, and this is just in my small experience, but did you have anything like that influencing your, you know, what you showed and what you didn't show? Yeah, I was, I was a crybaby. That's why I said, <laughs> thank God for my dad. <laughs> thank God for him because I, I, cause I was, like I said, my mom was really nurturing, like my, uh, so I was a crybaby, you know, so if it wasn't for the sports, I, th- I don't know where I would have been on the spectrum <laughs> because I was a big crybaby and overly sensitive, always caring about what people think and, and, you know, pretty shy. So I think I was learning as far as like how to speak up for myself, you know, mm-hmm. and myself and, and not be that crybaby, you know, and definitely looking back now. That was his, you know, that was his lesson that he, he would tell me was, you know, get up, why you, you're not hurt, you know, why are you crying and dust it off, you know, brushing everything off. Even to the point I got to high school, I had a whole broken wrist trying out for basketball and I didn't even know it was broke until I tried out for basketball. I played the whole football season when it broke. And then I got two basketball tryouts, you know, myself. Wow. You really <laughs> learned to suck it up. You weren't a crybaby. You were playing football with a broken <laughs> wrist and going, damn. Right. I hope you were tying that up or something. Did you have a brace or something? Yeah, I had a brace. I've broken my wrist. That hurts. Yeah, I had, a, I had a brace the whole season. You know, I would complain every now and then. We would lift and weigh their practice. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, I was lifting weights through the Dude, you left your body. That's like disassociation or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking back. I would, I would, you know, I, I, I had to suck it up. <laughs> you know, so I definitely had to be tough, but 
I wasn't tough in the inside. I can say that I think in the inside I was crying out loud. <laughs> I think that showed later on as far as me relating with my peers in, in high school, you know, because I was blessed. I was very quiet. <laughs> well, obviously you were so busy holding in pain. How could you even talk? I mean, just, wow, that's intense. So then the messages you got, like for you were more that you needed to kind of like figure out how to deal with pain and not go to someone else to kind of help with the pain or fix it, right? Because it sounds like when you say cry baby, which I feel, you know, that's a little derogatory, but I know what you're saying. You're saying that you tend to, to cry when you're upset, but then you learn not to cry when you're upset. Like, do you still cry as a person or what happened to that ability to cry? <laughs> it didn't go nowhere. So <laughs> I would, I'm going to be honest, you know, that's, please, I count on your authenticity. I would not be hanging out with you and doing any of this stuff with you if it wasn't for your authenticity. So, yeah, so as far as me growing up, yeah, so I think, ask the question again, so how how did it? Well, what I'm asking is, like, how did you develop the ability to still be truthful to your feelings when you were learning to push them down. Because what I'm hearing you say is that you stopped crying, I guess, even when it hurt. I oh, mean, yeah. I'm trying to understand because you just said you played football for a whole season with a broken wrist. So I've had a broken wrist and I don't know how you could do that. So, <laughs> no, I had a pretty good season. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> what position did you play? I received red corner. I played okay. both. I never came off the field. Yeah. You never came off the field the whole game? Mm-mm, no. <laughs> That's a lot of work, huh? How yeah. many years did you play football for? Four years. So all through high school? Yeah. Nice, nice. And what other sports did you play? I wanted to play basketball, but then I found out my wrist was broke. That was like the last time I tried out, you know? Mm-hmm. I put a lot of pressure on myself. I was like, if I'm not, if I can't play, then and, or or there's discrepancy in making it. But I was very nervous. I think as far as I was able to hide under the helmet and shoulder pads and the mm-hmm. and the spotlight wasn't on me, so I can hide within the crowd. But in basketball, it's like you and and everybody else. So, like I said. It, with my peers, I think I hid a lot of stuff, you know, so when the spotlight was on me, it was like it was on me in basketball. But it, when I'm out playing around and organized basketball was way, it was a lot different, you know, so it was it was it was a, a different kind of thing I had to get used to and I didn't adjust well. So I think if I look back, I probably would have stuck to it so I can get out of that particular energy. You know, mm-hmm. that kind of followed me as well as far as me speaking up and, and, and all of those things as well. I think I did suppress a lot of things now that I look back, you know, <laughs> maybe not speak up and they, they kind of suppress like certain pain or, you know, certain things I didn't like or, you know, that wasn't comfortable at that particular time. But mm-hmm. I was looking at it as it was fun too, you know, but as far as emotionally, you know, as far as how maybe related with people. I can see that maybe could have, you know, could relate a little bit <laughs> as far as mm-hmm. how, um, communicating and, and getting to know people. But when I was on the football field, I was able to be myself and I was able to kind of hide behind the helmet and, and be the person that, you know, that I wanted to be. So it was mm-hmm. easy, you know, when you kind of 
having fun <laughs> and in the moment. So you're able to bond with the, the guys on the field and make jokes and stuff like that and feel very authentic. So in that way, you weren't really hiding when you were playing football. You were just protected when you were playing football. Right, right. Yeah, I felt like that was at home, you know, a lot. Nice, nice. Have fun. <laughs> I definitely have fun. I look forward to how we're going to put those cards to football. I know it's going to happen someday. <laughs> get that. Yeah. <laughs> People have asked you, I definitely have to uh, think one particular seven to heart. He's been persistent as far as asking. I would say pers- persistent, but curious uh, as far as certain things that he, that he brings to light. But he's pretty busy, so we don't get to talk much. But he definitely... Mm-hmm. You know, look at the cars in football, but I haven't, I haven't yet. I have a little bit. I did look at the Super Bowl. I did see a pattern with the the Packers and and the quarterback uh, as well. There was like the same card or something, you know. Mm-hmm. And those with the Rams, yeah, the with the Rams Super Bowl, it was a correlation between the Packers and and their coach. It was interesting to tell you the truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We to, won't digress now. We'll save that <laughs> for another time about the cards. Right. So. So then we'll transition from where you're at. Do you feel like you said all you wanted to say in regards to like how you were informed about your gender or how you kind of shaped yourself as a male or uh, a blend, as you said, feminine and male aspects? Yeah, yeah. Well, as far as the growth, as far as what I see now, as far as the cards and what they show me, because I have a queen of diamonds supporting me, saying Mercury, Uranus. So as far as how people take me, I can be very they're my nurturing and as far as like naturally sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. uh, okay. somewhat social, I can, I can kind of blend in and fit in with anybody as well, especially mimicking, taking on characteristics. So I had to watch myself <laughs> with <laughs> can people are taking on characteristics, you know, even when I used to play football, I used to, I, some people I used to, well, I used to put my hand on my hip or my hand would be twisted. Like that's pretty feminine, but I didn't look at it. I didn't see that, you know? So it was like, I have to look at the way I imitate and, and talk and, and, you know, certain things and, and the medium between masculine and feminine, and, you know, it's <laughs> sometimes standing with people, you know? So mm-hmm. Yeah, that, for sure. For sure. You know, playing with that duality or understanding that duality may scare people even, even to say that you're a queen of clubs and, and you may have feminine nurturing ways, you know? <laughs> so, you mean so, a king of clubs or a queen of clubs? You mean a king queen of clubs? Of, queen of clubs. Even the king of clubs, as male as where they have a queen of hearts and Pluto. So, family and nurturing, they can be very nurturing, but you know, they can, it's still, you know, the masculine feminine aspect between the kings and queens can be pretty thin. You know, but Rashad speaks in cards. You know, like you learn languages or something. Like he's learned to like speak in cards. You know, and he takes a pretty high route with it. It's pretty spiritual in design, but like he explains himself through cards. I still don't even get it. And I've been studying it for like three years and I think I'm getting know him even. And I'm still kind of like, gosh, I wish I knew the cards better. I think he's trying to tell me something because he speaks <laughs> in planets and cards. <laughs> so the next question is, what did you learn about yourself in relationships? You know, what did you learn about how you were as a person in relationships as far as your needs or how did you play yourself out as the person you were that had the feminine and masculine qualities and traits and imitated like what happened to you in relationships what did you learn in that relationship part oh that's i didn't learn i think i learned a lot 
of who I was in relationships and maybe how I came off confusing <laughs> to people. And it's still like, it's still even hard to even talk about. I don't, I've never, maybe on Clubhouse, but I don't know how many people have heard that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? You're getting scared? Too many people are going to hear this shit? This yeah. might go across no, the world, I'm, dude. I'm, I don't know. Well, it's very, very honestly authentic. But so, yeah, <laughs> it's like I'm opening up a, a, a side of me people out here, but. <laughs> So thank you very much. You and everyone else has been on the show. So thank you. So yeah, the two arts for me, as far as relationships and that mirror, you know, and and needing it, seeing that reflection, you know, and and not to say that I'm a feminine, I'm not a femme at all because I believe there's like a ten of diamonds. Like you say, yeah. So <laughs> I don't want to get too deep in the cards, but. There are certain, like a, a Virgo, you know, a Virgo male can be very nitpicky and have like some somewhat feminine aspects as far as taking care of yourself and, and, and the luxury of, of having certain aesthetics around that, that stimulate the feminine side of them, you know, that relate to art, beauty, or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. or, or Libras or whomever, you know. So I think those are like feminine characteristics. So when I look at Feminine and, and masculine, now those are the characteristics I look at as well. Maybe they may relate more to the first question, but within my relationships and seeing that reflection and understanding the verbal context and the mannerisms and all of those particular contexts as far as like the voice. And when I say mannerism and verbal context, like how you stand up in public, how do you speak for yourself, you know, how do you, whenever you go into a crowd, you know, are you a leader? Are you a follower? You know, how do people gravitate to you? What type of leadership characteristics do you have? Are you more nurturing, you know, or do you want to take more of the backseat within the relationships? So those are all like, I believe are like, have that we've categorized as feminine and masculine, you know? So a lot of times you will tell a, a feminine person or characteristics to stand back, but I don't believe that's all the way true, true because I believe there's a, a true balance. So for me, it was balancing that out, you know, knowing when someone looking at me to be in a, a leadership point of view and leadership role to be that masculine person, you know, within my relationship, you know, looking at, and not also being a leader from a chauvinistic point of view as well, you know, because I think part of that leadership is knowing who you are, you know, and, and being naturally like comfortable in yourself? Yeah, comfortable in yourself. So you, you're able to speak confident when you speak to someone or you're able to make sure that she's safe as well, <laughs> you know, where without being intimidated when you're in a room or where she can be confident within you. So, or being intimidated with anyone. I think martial arts, everyone should, you know, <laughs> take a book. I think that's a better, I just don't Women like to feel protected in all type of ways. I believe that's a, a natural, you know, aura, you know, natural way. With, and those are things that I think I felt seen in relationships because when we're looking at masculine and feminine things in relationships and what women may want, you know, those are certain things. So I've looked at a lot of different, <laughs> I think, spectrums and judged myself based on my relationships. So they they always been a mirror, you know, and okay. making sure that I can, I guess, a, attend to their needs or to a woman's needs, you know, and then also making sure that 
I'm attractive, you know, to to the female. So, but then also seeing the nurturing side is to me because I never seen until recently. Maybe that could be her projection, but I've also heard it from other people. Like my aunt, she 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 always come up to me. And she would ask me to braid her hair. And it's like, <laughs> why are you asking me to braid your hair? Like, you know, like, now we're excited when we finally meet in person. I'm totally going for the hair braids. Right. Why well, I have never braided hair? Why are you coming at me with this this? feminine energy, but I got a reading one day <clears throat> was that the reading was, it was totally random. And, and she was saying that I have the aspects of bad, balancing feminine and masculine energy and being comfortable with attracting that energy as well. So yeah, so my relationships were a, a total mirror of, of, you know, what I'm doing and how I'm being reflected, you know, mannerisms and everything else. So it's always a mirror, I guess, you know, a person's forward. I like that. So then what I'm hearing you say is that you recognized that in your relationships, you're often mirrored and that the mirror was in fact showing you that you were able to be both and that you might've found yourself attracted to people who could also be both and weren't necessarily putting you into a certain role or expecting you to be a certain way because you're both nurturing and strong when focused when you need to be. No, they definitely were dominant and definitely was. <laughs> okay, well then, let's hope they're going forward. The next one. <laughs> well, they were definitely a little bit more dominant than me. And that's, what, that's how I learned that I had to maybe speak up and be more dominant as well and, 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 and learn also that they were also attracted to my duality that I kind of gave off as well, because I wasn't just chauvinistic male, you know, and I had nurturing qualities as well, you know. Mm -hmm. So that just came naturally, because, you know, I think as far as like relationships, as me growing up and, and as far as I was younger, I did get that masculine point of view, but I think mm -hmm. it was, it was also a little less, you know, like playboyish as far as like women. I didn't get all of those particular lessons until I really got into my relationships, you know? So I learned a lot from those relationships. So that last relationship also told me how I can be a better nurturer as well, because sometimes that comes with sensitivity, you know? <clears throat> and that could also come from my childhood as well, holding things in and all those things. So be overly sensitive can be maybe also seen this feminine and maybe why you don't step into a particular masculine role, what you may want to call masculine, you know, role and, or character at a certain point in time because there's no confidence. You know, I look at, you know, certain uh, characters or I see characters like, you know, the lion from the Wizard of Oz, you know, he, he could have been a, a, a lion or a little cat, you know? Mm -hmm. but, well, so it's like, you know, how are you showing up within those relationships? So there were two relationships, I think, that taught me the most, that got to know me the most, because I can't say that every person got to know me that well <laughs> within those relationships or, or any relationship that I had, because I, I didn't have any 
deep or learning relationships except for two that lasted longer than a year. I don't think that if you don't go over six months and it's not much of a story to tell. <laughs> but you can learn too much. <laughs> but, but those two relationships definitely, one was pretty feminine. You know, she definitely was a pretty feminine character and she wanted me to show up as, as a dominant character, you know, and she seen me as that because she was more feminine. So it was natural, natural for her to see me as that. So she wasn't as picky, but I, she definitely showed me the nurturing characteristics and all of those things and appreciation for my sensitive side. And then the second relationship was more of a, a I think a woman that had more dominant characteristics, you know? So, and her duality was kind of the same way. I, you know, I think was almost that mirror, more of a mirror, I think, mm -hmm. as far as balancing those two feminine and masculine roles, I guess you can say. So mm -hmm. that relationship was the biggest mirror, as you were kind of saying, that really taught me, you know, the, the walk with balance, you know, because she also had to walk with balance and, and knowing when to maybe sit back, you know, as a, a female and, and let me be the masculine, you know, and not tell mm -hmm. me directly of what I should do in certain mm -hmm. in certain ways and let mm -hmm. me actually do it, you know. So there was those particular instances where I seen the the things where maybe I need to be more reactive and 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 the way that I step up and in a particular role. So I think those roles comes in in certain situations, even like when you go out in public or like I was saying or or whenever you, or in a household case, I don't think in the household, I don't, I can't, I don't like labeling roles and genders. I think sometimes it is all mental, you know, and then also there's also just certain ways I think women and men want to be or want to be seen or want to be felt as well. So like the, I don't run out. <laughs> Did I answer the question? No, no, no. You're, you really got me thinking. No, I don't even know if it's thinking. It, because what I'm hearing you say is is new in in a certain way. Like certainly with some of my closer friends, you know, I'm I'm a pretty deep diver, as you know. So like we analyze and philosophize anything, you know, till the till the till the end. But what I've noticed that helps relationships kind of flower is when you can like so say you know. You're, I'm a boy and a girl and you're a boy and a girl, but I'm inside a girl body, you're inside a boy body. Or however that's said correctly, please forgive me if I've insulted anybody, because by no means am I looking to insult anybody. I'm just talking about a basic understanding. I personally, as I've said in other episodes, identify as a male and a female, always have felt like both, didn't understand that whole part, always felt a little confused by it. I know I'm a girl, but I've always felt very masculine. Now being a king of diamonds back in the cards, it made perfect sense, right? But what I've learned is that it has something to do with all four aspects, right? You're male and female, my male and female, being able to work together. So can the two dudes hang out? You know, can the two, the female parts, can you counter my need for a male when I bring my female? Can my female take care of you? Like, you know, can the two girls? So it's like all of your parts are intersecting, right? Because my ability to be able to just chill when we're like being two bros hanging out or my ability to go into that deep dive or help you pick out an outfit or figure out what to do or my ability to be really focused and strong while you're being creative or like those kind of things they seem to bring stronger relationships stronger marriages or stronger businesses because 
you're literally playing with more of your parts and you're not as constricted into like a way that, oh, I've always got to be this one and you've always got to be this one. It's more like there's an interplay between all the aspects. I don't know. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. And it, I guess it depends on where you're showing up at is what you're saying as well. There's no distinct yeah. location. It's like, <clears throat> what are you, where are the needs met? Is Exactly. What are the needs? So it's like, you come home really tired and you had a hard day. And so I can be the nurturer, you know what I mean? Or I came home really tired and I like, you know, whatever the way is that you balance out so that it's not like, you know, uh, I recently, as I'm shedding the the skin of a mom for a long time, it became in my awareness that one of the things I did as a mom, not always necessarily consciously doing it, but my accommodating nature, my nurturing nature, my knowing what people needed before they knew or even told me, didn't necessarily support the kinds of values that I would like to see. So some of my family dynamics with my children don't have reciprocity in them of the type that I actually need. Right? So as I lift, like I say, I'm two and a half weeks into you know, empty nester, as I lift the veil of mom and I return to Madeline, who's not the archetype of mother, I'm becoming so aware of certain things. And this one aspect of how my overgiving and not creating reciprocity kind of didn't offer my children a big part of the classroom, right? So I had a nice powwow with my family recently, and I just said, hey, listen, I'm in uh, just repair, you know, or just not even repair, reset. And I'm recognizing that there's something that we did that I don't want to persist. Like I need relationships that have reciprocity. And though I'm your mom, quote unquote, and people can proverbially take them for granted and make fun of them and not call them and pay attention to them. I'm not willing to persist in that type of relationship anymore because I don't want to create that in the world as a, as a, as a good option. Because your ability to meet me and to show presence with the simplicity of a what's going on, let me sit and talk to you and have tea or mom, you want to go for a walk or just something that <clears throat> calls to me and says, you have value and I want to share my presence with your presence. And in the way I was raising my children, I don't know that I always asked for that. With my younger, my older boys, they were forced into it because we were in some lot of a bond through the situation we were in. So we all like ran really tight through what was going on. With the second set, the twins, they come with a very independent, more stoic styling masculine father, and they adopted into that way. And giving back was not really a priority to them. And I kept trying to be creative on ways to get them to give back, which they obviously wasn't a priority to them. And then I grew, I think, a little bit more resentment than I realized as I clear myself out from that time because not receiving what you need for a really long time, like, it doesn't show up in a good way. Yeah, I was definitely out there. I heard that coming out before you said it. But yeah, you can definitely get resentful. You know, and then also just not to make this about the cards in, in general, and also look at the gender roles as well, being like a king and queen and, and those particular cars. 
are definitely personalities and, and roles and, and the pressure that we take upon ourselves and how we give to other people as well. So having sixes in your spread is definitely like if you don't receive, you know, appreciation. And sometimes we look at like the Beals and Kings, people with hard personalities, like they're egotistic or like me, me, me. But it's like, no, I do a lot as well. Like I'm giving, <laughs> I'm giving as much as I'm, I mm-hmm. even want to show, you know, it's like a singer on stage and, and you're not showing her appreciation. You just blew her voice out. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I can not clap or applaud or the nurse that's, you know, taking care of everybody. I no one said thank you or I appreciate you. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. those are like I believe mm-hmm. like Virgos and your sex is like, you really need the appreciation for what you're doing as well, because you, you are naturally guiding and helping people, you know, and sometimes mm-hmm. they're here. So mm-hmm. it's like how can you not see it? So yeah. And I suggest it has to do with that archetype of mom that has that sacrifice model, that martyr game mixed into it, right? And then it plays out. So as I shared with them, and I mean now, like, I'm not mad at anyone. I realized that I became blinded by the the light of my mom flower, and I wanted to be a good mom in the way I thought I should be a good mom. And I'm now recognizing that the value of reciprocity is actually the balance that helps us grow our best version. Because mm-hmm. when you're not giving and receiving in balance, somewhere it's going to show up in the characters. Oh, yeah, most definitely. That's, I think that's, that's it's a law. And that's the only reason I look at and more about why I study these sciences, because I want to understand people and why things are the way they are. And the more I look at it, it's like these things hold true every time. <laughs> it's like, how can these things be so true about the human nature? You know, it's a human nature so simple that we can actually read it and predict it and, and possibly um, manipulate it, which they may call social programming, <laughs> you know. And, but yeah, it's our common characteristics that we have and we can't help but to show, I think. So I think it's very important for, like I said, like a, a Venus and, and Virgo or Libra is mm-hmm. like, you know, show them love and attention and appreciation and good luck, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. if they understand, you know, the love that they gave is worthy. It's also about self-value and worth as well, you know. Mm, that's a good point, Rashad. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point, because I would imagine that the root of inadequacy or not being worthy, like. In my particular story, becoming a mother so young in a situation that was not what was my intention really interrupted the flow of confidence that I was living in because I started to perceive myself as I messed up. You know, so for me, believing that I messed up became a catalyst to support beliefs of inadequacy. But of course, the way I suggest our narratives are, it was happening for me because all the resistance that created my persistence also was a great place for my passion and helped me learn to be so resilient and so clear. So I'm like, thank you very much, universe. I didn't always enjoy the class, but I got you. I needed the class. I got it. You know what I mean? Like that. So I see it that way. Awesome. So is there anything else you want to say about what you might have learned through relationships about yourself or anything else that you might have learned about relationships? How about authority? How do you do with authority? I think that I have grown to understand authority from a standpoint that not to say I'm not meant to be understood, but I was creating things in my mind with certain places where I wasn't around the proper authority, you know, 
So I think when... You weren't around the proper authority? Tell me what you mean by that. As far as being guided into the place where I needed to be. You know, I think you have an inner authority, you know, that you have to listen to that knows what's right. And when the authority around you is objective to where that is going, you can also be regretful, you know, even though those were great life lessons that you was learning under that authority and what they was telling you was great advice and good things. But you should have, I think I was in, like I was in sales. I was into like hard labor. I was into like you know, so the, the, when I think of authority, I'm thinking about those people. Not, mm-hmm. of course, like I've always had great relationships with teachers and I always did mm-hmm. my school work, but I didn't think about authority until you saw working a job. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Teachers and those things, I think, yeah, when you look at school and, and authority figures, like I had great relationships with my mom and my dad. That was a, a definitely, I think, I think, I think my misunderstanding of me maybe come from them as well, as far as maybe me, that could have been internalized and maybe even me verbally because me maybe feeling outcasted, you know, <laughs> in some type mm-hmm, of way. Mm-hmm. That's why working with my little Pisces and on and, and Saturn and the 12th and all those things. <laughs> oh, so you have, you have your Gemini with a Pisces moon and what's your rising? Aquarius rising. Oh, nice, Sashad. That's good. That's a nice lineup. I'm really excited that you're starting to bring in this blend and this understanding and the mirroring. Like, I think it's wise. I mean, some of the uh, shares were pretty, you know, basic. You know, people always had little nuances and ways that they really internalized what it meant for them to be a boy or a girl. And what I keep hearing from you in this time is that you're not over-identifying with either. Like, you kind of know you're one, but you understand that you're going to play all the parts. Yeah, I had to look at how do I play all the parts and and why do I also attract those qualities, characteristics, or, you know, and how to play it. Like you said, like, just like you said, when is it, when certain things are appropriate, when it's not, and also being, I think also goes between receptive and and leading, you know, or or how you deal with authority as well, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Interesting. Nice. Yeah, I appreciate that. And but from what you said, you had one of each. You had the girl who wanted you to be dude-like and the other girl who wanted you to be more fresco. Like, I guess now you're going for the balance. So let's let's call her in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm working on I'm working on being Stefan and not like and not and not Urkel with Romeo, right? <laughs> Stefan. Stefan is a little bit more solid than the Urkel and Romeo. <laughs> Nice. Very good. All right. Well, that was great, Cher. Thank you. So do you feel complete on what you want to share about what you learned about yourself in relationships? Do you want to go on to the next question or is there anything else that you want to bring into that? No, no. Yes. All right. So then the next question is, how do you discern the truth for yourself? You know, how do you quiet or spiritual practices, you know, everybody kind of met this with different nuances, but like when it comes to the the clarity of you, the intuition of you, like how do you discern the truth and what practices do you keep to help you know that truth? I, I think I didn't learn that until 
that I wasn't crazy until maybe 30. <laughs> oh no, we're only a couple years in. You're a baby. Right, right. I didn't, I didn't realize like I was who I was internally and, and I can actually use it and block out the outside voices, you know, and that goes into also dealing with authority, you know, and dealing with my parents and who they wanted me to be as well, you know. Like I said, I learned a lot from them. As money from them, I was able to kind of see the dreams and, and aspirations wasn't totally in dwelled within them, but it was also things that I wanted. Like my mom telling me, oh, you always said when you was younger, oh, you want to own your own business or, you know, you wanted to do all of these particular things in, in certain aspects. So when I graduated college, it was like, okay, you got to get a job. You know, my dad was like, all right, we're going to, my, my biological dad who came later to me in life was one of those authority figures was like, all right, <laughs> you're not going to tell me what to do <laughs> because all, all my life I kind of had these other dreams and my mom tells me this is what I wanted to do. <laughs> Society is like, no, the best way to do it, like a business only really lasts three to five years, you know, without any type of capital or any type of help, you know, who's going to give you a loan, you know? So I w it was like internally I was fighting program truths that I thought was true, you know, mm -hmm. then also trying oh, to. Oh, that's awesome. Who I was in that same sense. So it was like a, a rage against the machine. <laughs> <laughs> of of trying to figure out who I was. And and so that's why I say only it happened only recently to kind of keep on etching it and, and you know, it's like a guy with the chisel, you know, trying to chisel out this this thought of who you are and, and what you want to look like. And still also trying to understand that that process isn't perfect. And like I said previously, those authority figures wasn't hindering who you were. They was also helping your process and, and certain life lessons along the way as well. So that learning who I was and, and dealing with authority, I think that all goes into, you know, trying to chisel, you know, that, that perfect picture of, of who you want to be. Yeah, I like the imagery and the metaphors you're using. It's so true because it is like a construct that gets created by our parents' projection onto us. Right, like projection's a big part. The mirroring and the way we work with each other has a lot to do with that. So they pick up our cues and then they add whatever their ideas of you are and they project it onto you. And then there is a process of saying, okay, well, those are things to consider, but is that what I would really do if I was listening to just me, you know, and like really checking in on what makes me feel good and what I feel my strengths are and where I feel like I want to be and stuff like that? So how do you discern that? It sounds like your Saturn return and growing older matured you, but when it's like you got to check in on something, you got to make sure something feels right, or you need to like practice your stillness or go connect to your higher self. Like, how do you do that? I started out meditating, I think at 24. That's when I really had the rage against the machine. 24, 22, 24, I think I started doing meditation. And I only said I got more spiritual as I got by myself, you know, when I was able to listen to myself a little bit more. And, and like I said, that was like an escalation of, okay, all right, the spiritual things are more than just, you know, our interest maybe, 
and maybe you need to go into maybe psychology or going to maybe some other thing because that can actually can pay your bills possibly you know you don't have to be engineer or or hard laborer like your dad wants you to be. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. um, that getting by myself i think it was the biggest cue you know that kind of helped me you know after college you know you kind of go off and go by yourself you know, or try to move out to your parents house um, mm-hmm. And then also just meditating and, and understanding what I like and what I don't like. And then also understanding all my life, like I've been sensitive to foods. You know? So, and that sensitivity is like your parents and everybody's looking at you. I, I, I'm like coming from Greenville, South Carolina, where it's like very, very country. You know, they, if they run over a deer, they're going to go cook it in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> You know, they're going to they're gonna go chop it up. So, you know, <laughs> I think my dad ran over a turtle. They had turtle soon. <laughs> it's awesome. But me personally, Rashad was internally, like, I was very, like I said, like a nurturer almost, you know, very, like, plant-based and probably didn't want to kill animals at all. <laughs> so, it was, it was once I got to myself, I was like, okay, I think I'm becoming vegan. I don't know what this is. I don't know why I don't need meat. I honestly like my certain, certain what I was allergic to and my blood type and those things. Why I couldn't drink milk and all of those things. So I started to become, you know, more in tune with myself when I got by myself. And and I would I wouldn't say everyone has to meditate to kind of get in tune with themselves, but you know, just at that particular time, I started meditating, and then also, you know, I changed my diet. So those are kind of all the, you know ways that I kind of got into it on myself and started to kind of listen and walk through that process to kind of get to know who I was, I guess. That's cool because I hear you saying, I pulled away from the way I was so influenced by everyone else. And when I got with myself, I started to like find practices like meditation to discern what I needed to do for me because I may not have been the way the people I came with were. And I think that happens to a lot of people in their families that at least for one or two of the characters in the family, they're kind of like, I love these people, but man, I am not like these people. You know what I mean? I am not of the same, you know, something, but they're definitely great. And I love that they are who they are and I'm learning them and I enjoy them. But, you know, my way of doing it is definitely different than the way they would do it. I know in my growing up, my sister specifically really chose to uh, align to the the things that everybody was doing, you know, like kind of the the fads or the fashions or the styles. And I, I'm i pretty sure I'm wearing the same style I wore when I was 10. Like, I, I'm pretty sure, like, I have not budged. Do you know? <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like, I build off of the body I got. I like comfort. I enjoy color. My head's usually covered. You know what I mean? So I haven't necessarily bought in that way. But there were times in our life story where there would be a push I would feel to kind of prepare myself to look more like I did do that stuff, you know, and that didn't always necessarily nurture my desire to be authentic or even to be comfortable, you know, because I was looking outside to not take the heat, you know, be like, okay, fine, I'll just do it. Like, fine, I'll shave my armpits, whatever. Like, fine, okay, you know, like whatever the thing was. So, so I think that's true that, you know, I had somebody here today, that king of clubs I was talking about, and I, we did some Native American medicine cards at the end of her session. And 
she got the message in the cards to like really take some time by herself because she's really trying to make some big decisions about what to do in her situation. And she can't get a clear read because there's so much going on around her. You know, I think that getting a clear read from yourself to yourself, I mean, I think that's what cultivating any practice like that's about, you know? No, yeah, yeah. And it's seemingly so simple, but every day we're boggled with making decisions, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So, like, the less you can speak, the more you can kind of make a choice or, you know, make a decision. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. the less information you can keep intaking, the push a decision, you can finally listen to what you want to (laughs) do. And within Mm -hmm. making that decision, you know, so... I think, like you, like I said, the more you get by yourself, you're able to kind of clear out all the noise. And, and mm-hmm. okay, this is who I am, and this is what I want. And then also, uh, gratefully, we're in an age of technology and research, right? You can almost know exactly who you are <laughs> and mm-hmm. what you, mm-hmm. you mean, you know? I think mm-hmm. previously, and years later, before, there was a, a journey of discovery and, and locality of <laughs> of you know, uh, it may be a certain restriction of, of what you could or know, what you, you know, but there's a world of possibilities now. <laughs> yeah, but, mm-hmm. yeah true story. can all be overwhelming as well, you know, having that world, those world of possibilities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and I would just say that the the more aligned and clear and spiritual and older and whatever the heck happens as you start to mature, all I know for sure is it is much simpler than we think. <laughs> like yeah. It is much simpler. There's very simple concepts that will help us be able to alleviate enormous amounts of things. It's just whether or not the surrender is possible from all of the intricate design patterns that we have to make ourselves the way we think we're supposed to be. And then we come back to the simplicity of really just being present and responding, you know, from the most like curious, kind, you know, clear place, you know, and I, and I feel like when we complicate anything, we lose clarity. And sometimes the clarity is in the simple, but I suppose everyone finds simple their own way. So that's okay. You know, that's how we're spent to do it. Like, I think everything finds its own way. I don't think there's a way not to find your own way unless, of course, you decide you're going to live it someone else's way and then be mad at them their whole life. And, you know, I guess it's an option. I think it's a pretty stupid one, but who am I to judge? You know, <laughs> like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But as they say, situationships do exist. And sometimes <laughs> we're growing, we're growing through situations to find out what we needed to learn, right? That's the codependency, you know, the tools, you know, and those those characteristics of of needing the backing of someone else or, or, or having needing clarity that comes from. And it can be a helpful thing as well, but it should always lead back to yourself. It should be something you're codependent mm-hmm. or needing, you know, as mm-hmm. they support your wants and your needs that a lot of the person. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I find sometimes when I am starting to say something that could be, you know, what's that word? It could be, you know, instigating or antagonizing or whatever. It could be something, you know, activating, activating maybe, that I purposely don't look at the other person. 
I don't even know what I'm doing. I start to look up to one side, the other side. I start to stay because I try to keep my energy up while I'm speaking so that I don't oh. go into what I'm hooking or feeling or the person's face. So like, say I'm telling you something I think is really smart and you're going, <laughs> no, like, I'm be like, you know, be like, oh, no, you know, I'm smart. <laughs> and so I find sometimes that I consciously try to stay with the clarity of what I'm trying to say. I try not to use the other person's facial impressions because I know as a younger person, not all people, but there'd be people along the way that I'd be definitely checking if they were thinking, you know, what I said was okay or not. And that did not make me stronger to do that. No, I definitely, like I said, I did that my whole life. I, I wouldn't have fit in and, and tried to fit in. and felt like an outcast at certain aspects and moments and looking to my peers for for their, I guess, their cooperation you know, in certain aspects, you know, make sure that I was accepted, looking for the acceptance. So mm -hmm. it was something I had to learn, you know. Even when I got by myself, I was still looking to be accepted for my weird. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 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 so and even within my relationships, like I said, I didn't even see that I may mean, had certain feminine characteristics and, and, and that people may see or why I was maybe seeing and, and being comfortable with that as well, and then not being too drawn out as far as is that just your perception? Are you wrong? And then for it, it be something somewhat consistent, it's like, okay, all right, I have to accept the truth as well, you know, but, and, but I'm not like needing you to accept me <laughs> for, for whatever you may perceive me as, you know, I'm mm -hmm. just, you know, so I can't, I'm not gonna stop being. I got to keep being the confident me and not let your, you know, objections <laughs> hamper my spirit in any type of mm -hmm. way. Standing <laughs> your square, as our mentor would say. Right. <laughs> All right. So very good. That's awesome, Rashad. So we're almost done. We got one more question. It's a short one. What are one or two or three, whatever comes through, values that you would like to propose as shared values? like things that most of us could agree on or things that you feel are important values that we could build things on as we grow forward? I guess a few, how many? <laughs> are you going to open up a notebook and give me a hundred? You, you can say one, anything is fine. You know, just, just your input towards the shared values. I know you just got home from work, it's late, whatever you got. Where else for right? Uh, so I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, just one, uh, as far as, I guess, the knowledge of self, you know, just being independent. And, so knowing yeah. yourself. So there's a real value in knowing yourself. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, just to kind of make it as, as simple <laughs> as, as possible. As far as a collective, because I think we all kind of grow in our own different ways. But so standing in your uniqueness or whatever it may be and using it as your strength, you know, so... Looking at your strengths, you know, and not not looking at your weaknesses all always as as something as a as an endurance, you know, because sometimes your weakness is is a possible strength, you know, or, or unique mm -hmm. unique that you bring into a situation, you know. So mm -hmm. being optimistic, yeah, you know, I'm a three, so optimism. That's <laughs> kind of how I have to roll. If I don't, then you know, I mean, I may be a bad puppet. <laughs> <laughs> So, thank you for staying optimistic. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. 
Awesome. I love that one. Yeah, I, I know I painted on the walls one time. You know, my menopause was a crazy time. But I painted on the walls one time to thine own self be true. You know what I mean? Because like to know yourself is to be yourself. So that's been a, a big mantra for me as well. So I resonate to that. And I thank you for that share. I think it's the first time it's been said in the podcast. I think it's a really wise one. So thank you, Rashad. Thank you for bringing that in. What we normally do here is we just check if there's anything else that you feel you need to say in the podcast of Our New Voice today. And then if not, we kind of close the portal with a little prayer or something or, you know, sometimes it's get created with me and the person. Sometimes I just do one of my standard, you know, wrapper up Madeline stuff. But, <clears throat> but we would start to close. Is there anything else before we start to close up this particular share? Yeah, I'm just, you can follow me on Instagram, Rashad in cards, R-A-S-H-A-D, the letter N, cards, C-A-R-D-S. Also on YouTube as well. So I'm, I appreciate the conversation. You know, I haven't really had those type of questions or, or deep dives before me expressing that to anyone else, to be honest, <laughs> except for within maybe one of my relationships or two, two, one or two of my relationships. So I appreciate, you know, opening up a, another, you know, can of worms. <laughs> well, thank you, Rashad, for opening up. Thank you for bringing in some of the clarity that you've had through your relationships and your experiences. Thank you very much. And yeah, Rashad will be uh, seen again, and he's part of Growing With The Seasons family at this time in his lane, offering card readings, and he and I are doing some research, the suits. And there's also a way that you can get involved. Just go to the website and you'll see ways that you can get involved and we can learn your card and you'll understand some of that gibberish she was talking earlier if you're inclined, or if you already do understand it, then you probably got some gold from what he said. So, because he usually speaks pretty wisely and he, he's of that nature in my, in my reflection. So I want to thank you very much, Rashad, for saying yes in all the ways you say yes to the adventure that we get to share at this time. And I just want to lovingly release all of your energy back to you, fully healed in present time. I want to take all my energy back to me, fully healed in present time. Take a couple of breaths and... Send this out to the most high and say thank you for all the reasons and let go of all the whys and just trust and have faith that everything happens as it needs to. And may we all know ourselves and be true. Hi, this is Madeline again. If you're interested in learning more about co-creation and building a new foundation, check out the website gwtrustfamily.com and get involved. Join us in growing this frequency of more peace and harmony and possibility. Turning in all the directions, calling above and below to the space inside me that longs to glow. I call for the wisdom of my teachers and my elders and the wisest part of me. What is it that's going to set us free? How can we find harmony in this family? Please teach me. Show me the way. I know. The way will open. Where is it? Where's the fire? Rhythm in the middle. 
Stay centered. Stay true. Do what you're here to do. That's what'll save your soul. Living with precision. Living. 